more. On today's episode, we talk about how to reveal the kingdom of God through your work, while we need to start viewing the secular as sacred and the power of living a generous life. All that and more on this week's Dreamers and Disciples. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Wade Joy, and I'm your host here for Dreamers and Disciples. We've got a really great interview today with a good friend of mine. And if you've ever struggled with how to infuse your work with a sense of purpose and meaning, I think that this episode and this conversation is going to really bless you and encourage you. So we'll get to that in just a moment, but I'm really glad you tuned in today. But first... If you've never subscribed uh, to the podcast, I want to encourage you to do so. It's a way to ensure that you never miss an episode. And maybe you have subscribed already. And if that's you, then I would love it if you left a review for the show. I've been told that that helps the algorithm. I think that means more people can find the show, that it shows up in more people's feeds. Uh, But it's also a way for me to hear from you. It's a way for me to see what's resonating with you. What is God speaking to you? through the podcast, and it's a way for us to continue the conversation together. So I want to read a review right now that I got, and I know I'm not going to say this username correctly, but it's User, And they said, just discovered this podcast, and I'm loving the content. Love how much scripture is clearly explained. The vibe of this podcast seems so authentic. He seems to be sharing the love of God's word with us in an authentic way that is life applicable. Thank you for being so gentle and kind as well as teaching the truth of God's word. Uh, So I appreciate that review, and I would love to hear from more of you in the reviews. So go ahead and do that now. So either subscribe or leave a review, one of those two things, and that would mean the world to me. So today, I had a chance to have a conversation with my friend, Graham Cochran. Graham is the host of his own podcast, The Graham Cochran Show, and the author of the book, How to Get Paid for What You Know. And he has an incredible story of God's goodness and faithfulness after not getting his original dream in life and instead being led into new opportunities to see how God has used his life in ways that he never could have dreamed or imagine. So if you struggle with feeling like it's hard to live a life of purpose or impact for God in a regular nine to five job, then this episode is for you. So let's join my conversation now with Graham Cochran. We met, I guess, this past June uh, in at Radiant Church in Tampa. And since then, we've become good friends. You've become a coach and a mentor to me. And and I think we we connected so quickly because we're both retired worship leaders um, we're both girl dads. We love Star Wars, and we both probably spend more on hair product than our wives do. Um, <laughs> oh, come on, that's probably accurate. That's probably accurate. Probably true. But man, thanks for being on the show today, and uh, I can't wait to see what the Lord does as we as we talk today. Oh, I'm excited to be here. But I would say though, on the topic of hair, you know, I sent you that picture of the old school Wade hair, elevation Wade hair in the early days. Oh yeah, that's. That takes way more product than whatever I put in my my little quaff. So I, I I don't think I ever could compete with you, man. Yeah, that was not budget friendly back in the day, <laughs> or or time friendly. Um, not Dave Ramsey approved budget on hair product. No, not at all. That's amazing. Um, well, I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about you know what you do now uh, in, in business in ministry with life. And was this always your dream? Because that's one of the focuses of this podcast is how do you 
not only hold your dreams loosely before the Lord, but how do you discern maybe when your dream needs to change, when you need to go in a different direction? So bring everyone up to speed on, on your journey and what you're doing now. Yeah, this is why I love your podcast, Wade, um, Holding Dreams Loosely. And I'm learning that more and more of what if God has a better dream for me that I will will appreciate more than what I could have come up with. So I, I, right now, what I help people do is I help people make a living online by taking what they know, what they've experienced, what they're good at and monetizing it. So I coach people through online courses and membership sites and coaching. And I can work with people like you one-on-one who are doing really cool things. But I have a podcast and a, a book literally called how to get paid for what you know. It's not that creative, but it's pretty straightforward and and a YouTube channel. And so every week I'm just trying to help people create alternative work. Basically they're building a business, but it doesn't look like a traditional business. It's just, it's the knowledge economy. It's this new way of making an income online that's flexible, that's fun, that's creative. um, And that that can be malleable to whoever you are. So that's what I do day to day, but that is never, ever something I thought I would do growing up. I mean, I wanted to be a rock star. Um, you like and, you and us, me both. A lot of us worship leaders. <laughs> yes, yeah, so we become worship leaders. No, I, I, did, because I, didn't, I didn't even grow up in a church that had guitars in it. I mean, I grew up in a church where it was an organist sitting at an organ wearing a dress, you know, like that's what I, that was church music to me. So, and so I'm listening to nineties grunge, you know, Soundgarden and Stone Temple Pilots and Alice in Chains and Nirvana and Pearl Jam. That's what I was growing up on. And then I would go to church and it was, it was choirs and organ music. And so it wasn't until I went to a church when I graduated from college, it took me that long to go to a non-denominational church that had a killer band I was like, oh my gosh, you can do this in church? So anyway, that's that's a separate story. But I was trying to become a rock star. I always figured I'd be on stage. I was a theater kid. I was always on stage, always in front of people. Classic introvert, but loves to be on stage in, in front of people. And so I knew I would do something like that. Singer, songwriter. I, I didn't think very far other than that. And I figured if God loved me, he would allow my dream to come true. And we tried really hard. Um, I had a mentor and I had, we put a band together and producers out of Nashville, made a record, shopped it around. I got like two fake deals. I call them fake deals because they wouldn't give you any money. It was just like, <laughs> hey, we'll we'll develop you basically if it works out, then we'll pay you later. And I was like, no, I, I'm getting married. Like I need a job. So I need you to pay me. And then I go do the music thing. And so that didn't work out for me. And I was I, I literally been processing this in counseling about like, I feel I'm learning to realize how I have felt like God let me down. Like, hmm. and, and not only God, but the people around me who believed in me, like, were they just lying to me? It was almost like this big embarrassment of like, I thought I could do this. I really believed I could do this and it never happened. And so that dream seemed to die. Then I took a, the normal career route of just, well, whatever jobs you can have. Um, we moved to Florida in 2009 during the last great recession, very unstable time. We came down here to help my buddy plant a church. I was going to be the worship leader. Um, had our first baby, bought our first house, was planning a church. And then four months in, I lost the job that I had there because the company dissolved. It ran out of money. And so now we're in a new state, new city. Don't know anybody, but the 15 people we came and planted with and I'm 26 and I feel like I'm moving backwards. And I'm like, now I, I don't even, can't even keep a normal job. Like, what am I doing? And that is when God started to build something new in my life. And he slowly but surely led me into what I'm doing 
Now, originally it was in the music space. I launched a brand called The Recording Revolution where I was teaching musicians how to record and produce their own music because that was, I got an audio degree and audio engineering degree and spent time in studios. And I ended up becoming a YouTuber back in 2009 when nobody was YouTubing. And I, I was a blogger and I found a way, God led me to monetize this before I knew there was a tried and true method to do this. And the funny thing is getting back to your original question is now... I'm on a virtual stage reaching millions of people talking and sharing and, and mm -hmm. combining so many of my loves, music and, and, and movies and business and money and encouragement and my faith. Uh, and I'm able to impact so many people, but I didn't know that was a thing. It didn't even exist. Obviously when I was growing up, YouTube wasn't a thing. But even as an adult, I didn't think that was something I would ever do. I never wanted to be a business owner, never thought about that. Yeah. And so I am so glad I never got my dream initially because the, the thing that God's having me do right now is so much richer and more fulfilling and a little more financially stable <laughs> than being <laughs> a rock star. So I hope that answers your question, but I, I'm loving it. It's, it's, a, it's still a crazy wild adventure. Well, as you were talking, it, it reminded me of, of something we've talked on, about on the podcast before of Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, which we love to quote about God doing immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine, yet we often try to limit him to what we can imagine. So we want him to take our dream and crank it up to 11. And it's really cool to hear how... Um, God took you on a lot of winding roads that didn't look anything like you expected your dream to look like, and you could never have imagined where you end up, ended up now, yet the heart and the spirit of your dream is still very much the same. It's just the avenues are different. And so, yeah, you're, you're getting to live out so many of the things that you were passionate about then. It just looks very different than what you could have imagined 10 years ago. 100%. Yeah. I wasn't wrong, but I wasn't right either. You know, I was... I was <laughs> onto something, but God was like, here, I'm going to show you what it'll look like. Well, one of the things that, you know, as we got to know each other and, you know, after I met you this summer, I started listening to your podcast, which is an amazing podcast. Everyone should check it out. Um, and also I read your book and I was really struck by how just effortlessly you talk about your faith. Um, it never felt weird because you're not speaking in a faith-based arena. You know, you're, you're speaking to, to business owners, to people who are starting their online business, and they may or may not be Christians. Yet you often will talk about, well, this is what the Bible, you know, teaches on generosity. I've heard you talk about tithing before um, in, in a non-church space. You've talked about what Jesus teaches on, on integrity, and, and it just feels like it's a natural overflow of your heart and who you are. Can you talk about that, of how you are leveraging your your current business and your current work to make an impact for the kingdom. Yeah, this is something that I feel like God has made pretty clear to me. I felt like I didn't know what it was until actually this summer I was in Puerto Rico with my family and I was doing a lot of like silence and solitude and some of the stuff you've been talking about in your podcast and prayer. And, and I felt God say something very clearly to me that basically sums up what I've been doing and what I think he wants me to continue to do in three words, which is reveal the kingdom reveal the kingdom. And so to your point, my audience is largely secular. There's plenty of Christians that follow me, but it's, it's a secular topic. Both of them have been music and business. Anyone's welcome. So I can't assume we're starting from the same faith background, but so I, I feel like God's telling me to reveal the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God has different 
rules and has different, you know, laws and, and, and operates and smells and feels different than the kingdom of the world. And it's so much better. And, and, and non-Christians have gotten a taste of it, know that it's better. They just don't know it's the kingdom of God that they've experienced. And so I feel like he's trying to tell me to reveal the kingdom to people, even to Christians, because I grew up in the church and, and didn't experience the kingdom in church, you know, yeah. which is kind of sad. So to your point, two things I'm doing. One is I feel like God has helped me over the years become a more integrated whole where I don't feel like I have my tr- Christian version of Graham and then the, the public version of Graham. I, I've, I've just embraced, I am who I am. And so I can't be who I'm not. And, and my business journey, the people who are interested in my success, quote unquote, oh, they want to know how did it happen? How did I do it? Well, it's so inextricably linked to my faith journey and it's all been God led. And so it's really almost impossible to describe what I've done in business without describing faith in God and prayer and him leading me like ideas I had that they, they didn't, they came to me through the Holy Spirit. There was, so it's, it's hard to separate them for one, but two, it's kind of like my favorite secret covert mission, which is to pretend like it's the most normative thing to be a believer, to believe in God, to look at the Bible for truth on all things and that church is a normal thing you would want to go to. Um, and so I'm doing, I'm, I'm intentionally acting like that's so normal because mm-hmm. it is for me and for you and for many of the listeners, but it's not for the world. And so I almost trick people by them saying, well, he acts as if like, that's a no brainer that we would all believe in God. So I'll say things like, you know, I'll talk, we'll talk about mindset and we'll talk about certain things. And I'll say, well, you know, you're, 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 the reason you're struggling in your business is because you're doing what you think you should do. You're not doing what God designed you to do. Like you were right. designed for a purpose. So it would make sense that you're going to flourish with, and I'll talk about it like it's the most <laughs> obvious thing when they're going to completely disagree with some of the verbiage. Uh, and so I trick people a little bit. And so they go, yeah, wait, 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 no, I don't believe in God. Why would I nod my head? But it sounds so right. And then partly it's just, I, 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 I want people to understand that like, look, if you like what I'm sharing, you don't have to agree with my faith, but you're going to understand that I have faith in Jesus. And you're going to have to wrestle with that. That like, you like me, but you don't like my faith. Go figure that out. And for nothing else than to realize that, hey, oh, you can like somebody and agree with part of what they believe in, but not everything. We don't have to hate people or demonize people, which is a problem our culture is experiencing. But also maybe they'll consider that, wow, this guy seems somewhat intelligent and his (laughs) advice worked and he believes in Jesus. So maybe he's not, maybe people who believe in Jesus aren't all crazy. So it, it works and it doesn't work. I get haters, I get converts, I get people that are grateful. I get everything in between, but I feel, I feel more at peace living as an integrated whole. And I think there's that, there's a line in scripture, right? Where the Lord says, you know, if you acknowledge me before men, I'll acknowledge you before my father, Jesus says. And I, I don't want to, to hide my faith because then I don't, if I'm ashamed of, of the Lord, I don't want him to be ashamed of me. I want to be very boastful and public about it's because of him. I think that makes him pleased. Yeah. I love hearing the heart behind that and even just reveal the kingdom. That's such a great just principle for all of us, no matter what we're walking through, no matter what our career is, our job. If we can make that our our through line, our focus, um, I think that's powerful. And I do like when you share scripture on your podcast or in your book, you're right. I, the way you describe it as tricking somebody, I think that's what appealed to me about it is that it felt so natural. It didn't feel like you were making a hard left turn it was like, no, this is just, this is what I believe. And 
this makes sense to me. And so I, why wouldn't I share it with you? Now, what would you say though, to the person who's listening, who they're saying, well, Graham, you're getting to live this amazing life that yeah, it wasn't your dream before, but it's become your dream now. And so I can see how you can see your, your career as ministry. But what about me? I'm not living in my dream. I hate my job. I don't like going to work from nine to five. How can I see my life as having purpose or see my career as ministry? Yeah, this is a great conversation. Um, Cause I struggled when I was going, starting to go to a church where I really got plugged in in my early twenties and discipled and on fire for the Lord. I feel like I was saved at 16, but I don't feel like I was really walking with Jesus or disciple till I was 22. I got surrounded by men who I looked up to who were in the church for the first time. I, I wanted to be husbands like them and men like them and serve in the church like them. And they, they poured into me. And what they would say about me is, oh, you're a great communicator. Oh, you have these skills. You should be a pastor. And so I took that very seriously because I was like, wow, these are the, these are the, first, the first men that have ever spoken life into me and seen something in me. And of course, I want them to be pleased and I want to believe in that. So I thought I, that's what it meant is I needed to go be a pastor. And I was a little bit explicitly, but a lot of it was implicit that if you really want to serve Jesus, you'll go into full-time vocational ministry. And then the rest of us, if you work, like I worked at a software company and I worked at a jewelry store and I worked at a radio station selling out. All those jobs weren't really ministry. They're just a way to pay the bills, which is a good thing as a Christian, I guess. Be able to tie, that's a good thing, I guess. And then maybe evangelize your coworkers and that's a good, like those are the only three redeeming things I was told about <laughs> secular, quote unquote, secular work. I've gone, I've had a long journey from that to where I am now when I had to reconcile what God was doing. When we came to plant a church, um, my pastor felt, he felt for me because I was unemployed and he felt like, man, I kind of brought Graham down and he's got no money. And so he wanted my business that I was starting to work because he wanted me to be okay. But he also wanted me to pour into the church. He's like, well, how are you going to build your business and the church? And I felt like God was telling me to build this business. And I felt guilty that I was, I mean, I was still building the church and we we're doing all the things, but it was this weird tension. So God made me wrestle with Graham. What do you, what does the scripture actually say about work? Mm -hmm. And can you challenge what you feel you know about what's secular and, and spiritual? And so, man, I've had a long journey, so many great resources. I love um, Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. I love Called to Create by my good friend, Jordan Rayner. He's a phenomenal uh, author and thinker on the faith and work movement. He's got a great podcast. That I think he rebranded it called Mere, Mere Christians. Um, but he talks a lot about faith and work. It's been so many resources. And one that I love is also N.T. Wright. Um, he talks a lot about what he calls building for the kingdom. I think that's the language he uses. Mm -hmm. And and he really believes that like the work we do, I'm, this is a roundabout answer to your question, but I'll get there. The work that we do um, will matter for eternity. That if heaven is coming down to earth eventually, that what God has us doing here on this earth, even if it is, you know, emptying out trash cans um, or uh, teaching at a school or being a firefighter, anything that seems secular, 
is actually going to last into eternity because it's part of the greater new world, new heavens that God's building and all of it is important. Um, and so he likens it to a cathedral. We're all like, God's building the cathedral. He's the architect and he's the builder really. But I might be a stonemason. You might be stained glass. Someone else might be doing something else. And we can be proud of the work we're doing because it's actually building something that will last forever. We're contributing to something that will last forever. So there's beautiful language there. But I started to realize, man, what if work in and of itself is a holy thing? You know, what if showing up and not even just doing work as unto the Lord so that he's like, well, at least you're showing up and giving a good effort, you know, and I see that effort, Graham. It's not even that. It's just the actual work I'm doing blesses the human race. You know, if I design an iPhone, like all these people who, let's say, let's say a lot of people in Apple don't know Jesus. I'm sure there's people that do, but there's non-Christians that are designing a product that is blessing the world because it's a useful technology. That is God's common grace to us, even through non-Christians um, by creating something valuable that creating the internet so that you and I can talk right now and have this podcast. There's so many Christians and non-Christians doing work that isn't quote ministry, but it is ministry because yeah. it is advancing the world and culture and making things better. And that's what God's all about since Genesis, when he creates work and he creates Adam and Eve to work. So that work was the original design, nothing spiritual other than just maintain and guard and protect and let this flourish. And then he gives this beautiful mandate, right? To be fruitful and multiply. And like, that's the continuation of creation. And so I just think long story short, what you and I are doing, whether it is in a church setting or in a secular setting, is the ongoing creative act of continuing to build out culture, continuing to serve people. And so as long as you are in a posture of service, of like, how can I bless somebody through this? Uh, even if that's just the simple, like I'm cleaning out the trash can, that, that someone needs to do that, it's a good thing. Um, then you are doing God's work. It is ministry and you're at a place of humility and service. The only caveat I would say is you mentioned someone who hates their job. That's a deeper conversation of why do you hate it? Because you might hate it for bad reasons. You might hate it for good reasons. It could be, it's a bad fit. Plenty of times we get ahead of God Right, Isaiah 30 talks about you stubborn children of Israel who make a plan, but not mine, mm -hmm. who you know, go down to Egypt without consulting me. And it's like, oh, how many times have I made a plan that I think will be good, but <laughs> right. I never consulted the father and the God of the universe. Maybe I got myself into a job because I felt pressure to make money, which isn't a bad thing, but maybe it's not the right fit for me. It's not the way God designed me. I think that is completely fair to ask the Holy Spirit to guide you into work that is a good fit for you. But at the end of the day, I do think we are all made to work and everything is spiritual and everything is ministry as long as there's people involved and you're doing it for the God of the universe. And there's so much good stuff in, in what you just said. And just to kind of reemphasize this, I love the fact that as a Christian, there really is no distinction between sacred and secular because we bring the presence of God into everything that we do. So we make whatever we touch sacred because that's our mandate as followers of Jesus. And plus you had me at NT Wright. That's my my love language is anything NT Wright says. That's awesome. Now part of what part of work and part of building a career 
and, and growing in whatever industry you might be um, rooted in and, and working in is ambition. And we've talked about ambition on the podcast and that ambition is not something to necessarily villainize. It's not something to fight. It's something instead to focus. And a lot of what you do is help people live out their ambition. You know, you help them build the business that they've been dreaming about. You help them make more money. So how do you view ambition as a Christian? And and how do you navigate the tension between being ambitious, but also the call of God to be content? Oh gosh, <laughs> if, if, you, if I had this figured out, man, I would be a much happier person. I, this, is, this is my struggle. So, and this is very fresh right now. So for example, all year, I feel like in my time with the Lord, in the morning, in the Bible, in prayer, I'm hearing what I feel like are two contradictory thoughts from the Lord. I feel like he's leading me to rest, words like rest versus about retiring from war, lying down, like letting him fight, like very clear language, like stop chasing. And I sense him saying the word expand and grow and impact. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, which is it, Lord? Because you can convince me either way. And I'm such a um, black or white dichotomized thinker. And I just, I have a hard time with the word and. I'm like, it's either this or that. And so I assume like, okay, God, do I need to just be content um, both with the, the income I'm able to make? I shouldn't want any more money. The uh, the impact I'm able to make, because again, I'm I, as, as a content creator, it also is about impact. And it's a little bit of that performer. Like I want to reach more people because it feels good. There's a lot of ego in that. Should I just be content with my little stake of the internet, my little you know tribe or and I can just be at peace? Or are you saying I should reach more people and, and make more impact and make more money and all of the above? And I struggle with which one is it? And I, I'm learning that so much more nuanced than my lizard brain wants to <laughs> you know, break it down to. Um, I'll say this, God has surprised me. He has surprised me by giving me more influence, more impact, more money than I thought he would have been wise for him to give me. I assume like he knows, Graham, I'm talking about myself, my struggles of wanting fame and wanting affirmation and wanting approval and wanting people to know my name and wanting lots of nice things. I figured he wouldn't give me any of that because that would that would only feed something negative. And yet he's he's given me more than people that have been chasing it for longer than I have. And, and I wasn't chasing it. Like it was given to me. And so in a way it's, it's humbling because I know I, I didn't set out to have all this stuff. I, I just knew I wasn't, I was a musician. I didn't have any marketable skills. All my friends were becoming doctors and lawyers. And I was like, yeah, I'm either going to make it big in music or I'm going to not make it at all. It's one or the other. And so I didn't chase it. He's given it to me. And and then I can find myself trying to pick it up as if it's mine and it's up to me to chase the next thing and do it myself. And it was never me. It was always him. It's always been a gift. It's always been receiving. So I guess to answer your question, when it's about me, I think ambition is bad. Um, when it's about, when, when the Lord says, you know, you were saved for good works, right? That, that there's good works prepared in advance for us. Good works don't save us. We're dead in our sins. Um, it's God who does the work. But now that we've been brought back to life, from dead to li- death to life in Ephesians, then, okay, so now what do we do? There's good works to do, which goes back to the revealing the kingdom and advancing things and making the world literally a better place is the most spiritual thing you can do because this world isn't necessarily gonna burn up and we're all gonna be 
spiritual beings. We're going to be physical beings here. It'll just be remade, renovated, made fully new, right? God isn't making brand new things. He's making the current things new, right? Like, and so that's, if that's the case, then making this world a better place and serving others. Like I should be the most ambitious person on the planet as a Christian, because I want, God has the biggest ambition. He's going to, he's going to make everything perfect. So why wouldn't I want to play a part of that? I think I just have to, there's a, you know, a mixed bag of, of my ego and my, my, my selfish desires with, you know, godly ambition. But as long as I think I, I can't, I don't do it perfectly, but as long as I'm every day, it has to be every day for me checking in with the father, what do you want me to be excited about? What do you want me to be doing? How do you want me to view things? He's going to then set me on the right path. Like, grandma, I want you to go chase this thing. And then he wants me to fully be me in all my mess. And even though I'll have a mixed bag of, of motives, because he designed me a certain way, he's winding me up. He's like, go get it, tiger. And yeah, you're going to screw up and I'll help you course correct. But he, for whatever reason, gives us so much grace and freedom to go build the way we were built. And I think I'm so afraid of screwing it up because I want him to be happy and I don't want bad things to happen to me, which is kind of making God like it's karma. But it's like, <laughs> I, 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 I'm so afraid of screwing up that I want to be sure I'm doing the thing God wants me to do. And there's no ill motive in my ambition. And God's saying, bro, just relax. You're not perfect, but I, I am somehow in charge of all this. Just obey me and then get after it and be fully you in it and just check in with me. And I'll, if you're off course, I'll let you know. He won't give me what he doesn't want to give me. And everything he does give me is a gift. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I kind of am always in tension, short answer, but I'm leaning to just go for it. And like life is short. And so I might as well have as much impact as I possibly can and allow God to sort out my ill motives from my good motives in the end. You just said something so powerful, though, when, when you're talking about motives, because I think sometimes we are afraid to take a step and we paralyze ourselves until we can get all of our motives 100% pure. And I don't know about you, but I've never gotten my heart to that place. There's always uh, a selfish ambition trying to raise its hand and, and fight for attention in my heart. And I was talking to some worship leaders recently about that. And to me, the the healthier thing is is not to wait till all of that goes away because then you're waiting forever. The healthier thing is to name it. And once you name it and recognize it and acknowledge it, then you bring it into the light of God's love where he can begin to heal it and he can begin to transform it. And you, you're kind of brought back to that place again and again that it's only by grace that we not only are saved, but like you said, it's by grace that we live, by grace that we minister, by grace that we work. It's all a gift of grace. And I think that's been a very freeing thing for me coming from uh, a Christian upbringing that at times got very legalistic, which I've talked about on here before. I have so many times talked myself out of doing something because I felt like my motives weren't right. And I don't think it was honoring to God because I was putting myself at the center of that decision rather than, no, this is what God is actually asking me to do. And I can trust Him to work out all the other stuff within my heart as I follow Him. Mm, yeah, that's good. Um, you've mentioned a couple times your time with the Lord. You know, you know, God was speaking to you about rest, and He's also speaking to you about expanding. Um, and you've talked about a few other things in, in your prayer time and your silence and solitude, which is where God spoke, revealed the kingdom to you. What does that look like for you on a day-to-day practical level? What do your prayer rhythms 
tend to look like? And I'm not pretending you do this every day, but like generally, what does it look like for you? Yeah, but I do do it every day, Wade. Every day. No, I'm pretty good. I'm most of the time. Lord, you know, um, I'm usually a Monday through Friday guy. And then Saturday is a crapshoot. And Sunday, I'm like, well, I'm in church, right? So that, that this actually has changed a lot this year. This year has been the year for me. And I'm maybe new to the party, but it depends on maybe your church and faith background. But I, I didn't really know much about the Holy Spirit until this year. So for me, like my church background was kind of in church, but there was no Bible. There was no Jesus. It was not even really Christian as a kid. So there's zero. And then I was a part of a church that was, I would describe Father, Son, Holy Bible, right? That was the Trinity <laughs> in that church. And and there was a lot of good there, a lot of reverence for the Father, a lot of love for Jesus, and then just, just so much love and honor and respect for the word of God. And I learned how to study it. And it was, so that was good. And then I'm realizing, huh, I don't know anything about who the Holy Spirit is. I don't know what to do with him. And so this year has been a lot of learning about who he is, what his role is and how powerful he is and how I feel like, why didn't anybody tell me about all the benefits of walking by the spirit? I've been walking by my own power and trying to just obey the scriptures without really relying on the spirit in so many ways. So that's my own story, but what it's looked like this year has been radically different. So for me this year, um, the mornings I'm up at five, not by choice, but because if I want an hour of quiet house before I have to get my kids breakfast and get to school, that's what has to happen for me. So I'm up at five and from five to six is like my time with coffee my Bible is there. I have a journal. I've started journaling this year, which is a huge part of it. And I, everyone told me, got a journal, got a journal. And I have bad handwriting and I'm slow at physically writing and I hate journaling, but I've learned to embrace it. Um, and then I'll have either my phone on airplane mode um, or an iPad so that I can use Blue Letter Bible, which is like my favorite app for, you know, word studies, Greek and Hebrew, cross-references, all kinds of stuff. And so functionally speaking, I'll open the journal, date it, and I'll sometimes, more often than not, start with like a, a request of the Lord, like I'm seeking wisdom. So whatever it is that day. So right now, like I'm literally talking about bringing on someone on my team who in a higher capacity to grow the business and give her more ownership and they're like, okay, what's the profit share? So I'm thinking about the compensation package and it's overwhelming. And it's like, you know, how much is too much? How much is too little? And and I don't know these things. So I'm asking the Lord, what what should I do about, her compensation package where we're at. And I'll, I'll write down the request as if I'm going to a mentor because isn't the God of the universe, the wisest person you could talk to. Hey, what, what should I do about X, Y, and Z? Very practical questions. I'll write some of those things that are on my heart down and just kind of put them out there. And then either I will sense God saying something to his spirit, like a thought will come to my mind, or if nothing, then I'll usually jump into the scriptures, either where I was before or a verse that God puts on my heart, or I'm working through a book of the Bible. And it almost doesn't matter. I'll start somewhere and I'll read that scripture and try to walk through, okay, I'll read the whole chapter if I'm if I'm at a random verse, get some context and try to understand what book of the Bible it is. Context is helpful, but I'll ask, what does this verse say about God's character? What is it revealing to me? Oh, yeah, God is, he provides or God is, he doesn't change or like God wants to speak to us. Like th these are the awesome things about God. Okay, then what does it say? about me and maybe my character may need to change or, or, or a attribute about me that he, what he thinks about me, that's wonderful. Or is there a promise in this scripture? And if so, is there a, is there in the scripture something that that's my end of the bargain, which there is a lot of language. Like if, you know, if you're faithful in these things, this is the promise. 
And I sort of will take note of some of those things or see what jumps out at me. And then what I start to try to do is begin cross-referencing. And I've, I've learned like, okay, we'll pull up on Blue Letter Bible, for example, you hit cross-references on the verse and it'll give you every single verse in the Bible. And you're letting the Bible interpret itself, right? By, mm-hmm. okay, this verse says this, but let's go see what other verses related to that say so I can have a better interpretation of that verse and get the whole counsel of God, not just my one-off thought on this verse. And so cross-references lead to other cross-references lead to other cross-references. And I, I find that I'm letting the spirit lead me to sometimes a verse, maybe three, four, five layers deep, that that's, that's something he wants to say to me. And I can sense, you know, you know what it's like when you read it off the page or the screen, like this is for me in this moment. Yeah. Or I will sense him saying something in light of that verse. For example, I'd ask the Lord one day, Lord, I feel like you're telling me these two things. Do I stay where I am in my business and my life and be content or do I expand? Like, I feel like these are two very different mindsets and I could go in two different ways. Which one is it? And I swear I sensed him say instantly, well, which mindset do you want to have? And, and again, this feels like, yeah. like a thought that's coming in my mind, but it's so clear and seems so alien that I write those down and put quotations around them to remind myself, this is what I thought I heard the Lord say. And then I'll have these conversations with the Lord. And it's usually in conjunction with my Bible open, cross-referencing, journaling my thoughts. And it's like these things, I spin around like this for about an hour. And if I go maybe 30, 40 minutes and I sense that God's bringing me to a thought or a, a conclusion or a conviction or a prayer, I'll then stop for the 10 to 20 minutes that remain and I'll pray and then try to sit in silence and listen. And that's the final thing I've learned to do for the first time in my life is not just talk at God, but also to some of your awesome episodes recently of sitting and listening in silence. And um, uh, there's a great book, Invitation to Silence and Solitude, and I'm blanking on her name right now, but she talks about we're like a jar of river water that you have to let it sit for the the sediment to settle. And like, just by sitting silently, there's it's a very productive thing to do because eventually all the internal anxiety in your heart will settle. The water becomes clear and God can finally speak to us when we've let it all settle. So I'll try to do that towards the end of my time. Um, and some days are like amazing. Like I've, I felt like God spoke and some days I'm like, what did I just do for the last hour? <laughs> but I'm doing it and I'm showing up and trying to, listen to the God of the universe for wisdom. Cause I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to run a business. I don't know how to show up in the world. I mean, I can try, but it's really scary to think that I really don't know what I'm doing, but there is a God who knows everything. And he says in the book of John, right? The Holy spirit um, will lead us and guide us into all truth, not just truth about spiritual things or the Bible, all truth and will tell us of things to come. So the Holy Spirit knows what's going to happen and he can He can help us avoid big mistakes or walk into wonderful opportunities if we would just ask and listen. And so that's been a huge transformational process for me this year. I, uh, As you were talking, the whole concept of, of talking to the Holy Spirit as if you're talking to a mentor with like very specific questions, very specific requests, that really resonated with me because I've been challenged lately about my request being too general with God mm. and almost being afraid to ask for specific things because I didn't want to be disappointed or I didn't think God would answer. And and so, yeah, as, as you're talking about your journey, uh, it feels a lot like the journey I've been on, even with journaling too, because I used to hate to journal and I never thought I'd be that guy, but it's helped me 
process my thoughts and my conversations with God in a brand new way this year. It's it's been really helpful for me. That's awesome. Um, you know, as we kind of wrap up our conversation, I want to make sure we talk about generosity because this is something I know is near to your heart. And you talk about it a lot on your podcast. You've talked about it in your book. We talk about it. But can you tell me what role generosity plays in your personal finances, um, in your business? And when did you, when did this become a value for you? Wow, yeah. If I could talk about anything for the rest of my life, I think it would be this. I think it would be generosity. I think generosity unlocks everything. I think generosity is like the key. So we can narrow it down on specific situations. My business model is built around generosity. So there's, there's a world that says, oh, to make money or to make money online, if you want to be more specific, you have to withhold. So you tease people with, I'll teach you how to X, I'll teach you how to Y, but they have to pay to get the real answer. That's why people are sick of going to webinars that are just a bunch of nonsense. It's just a giant sales pitch with no content. They're watching videos or listening to podcasts that are really light, but if you want the real thing, you got to buy. What I have done is flipped a script and like, I'll give all the secrets away for free on YouTube and my podcast. If you come to a webinar of mine, I'm going to just give you so much value that you can walk away not buying the thing that I am still selling at the end of it and actually go build something or do something profitable with it and feel like, wow, that, I can't believe. Like I literally make people feel guilty. They pay me, they buy my stuff literally out of guilt, which I love <laughs> as a sick, weird person of like, I felt so bad that I just watched all your videos and I went and built a business and I'm making six figures, but I've never paid you for anything. So I'm going to buy all your courses. So there's some reciprocity there, but it's the generosity that does two things. One, it, you know, it's allowed me on the business side to spread because credible information spreads, good podcasts spread, good videos spread. So it's expanded my reach, but two, it's, it's depth. Like the people that listen to me are like, this guy's legit. There's so much trust between us and, 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 and there's authenticity in the way I'm showing up. They're like, I, I really believe him because I can tell he's giving me the goods. So it's a powerful concept in business. And you know this in any business. If you ever worked with a salesman who's a jerk, you can tell they just want the sale. If you've worked with a salesman who understands generosity, he or she is just trying to like make sure you get everything you need and they're willing to actually send you to a competitor if it's the better thing for them. This is something that Jay Abraham calls being a trusted advisor. Like I'm actually in your corner, even if that means sending you to my competitor, you know, you should work with so-and-so. They're a better fit for what you're trying to do. And that's what I love about the book, The Go-Giver that Bob Berg wrote and John David Mann. And I was really blown away that Bob Berg, he actually endorsed my book, but his book is the one I've recommended more than anything. It's all about generosity. I don't think he's a Christian, but the book to me is Philippians chapter two, like in a narrative form and applied to sales and selling and business. But um, it's, it's the heartbeat of anything with business. But then in finances, this is like the thing that God has been teaching me. And I'm realizing this is the thing he's trying to teach all of his children is the reason we struggle in our finances, or if we're struggling, is because we, we're, there's something around the concept of generosity that God wants to teach us. Hmm. I, this is Graham's opinion. I think generosity, sacrificial giving, tithing, tithe, above the tithe, any, or that top or topic and conversation, that's where we need to go if we're struggling in our finances. It's not make more money. It's not get a better job. Those things might be part of the equation down the road, but it starts with 
what's your concept of giving and are you faithfully trusting the Lord? Because that's the word is trust and money is our God in America. And so, because, because it's what provides and gives us security and safety and, and all the things we look to God's to do. So if we can give away our God, if we can give away our money, well, then that shows that we don't actually pledge allegiance to that God. We pledge allegiance to the real God of the universe. And so that's where the test is. That's why Malachi says, test me in this because it's who are you going to serve? Jesus says that you can't serve God and mammon or the money, right? You can only serve one. And he knows that he's so kind and so gentle. And so for us, I'll give you just a crazy story, but this is where God started the generosity journey for my wife and I, is we've always been tithers out of like, that's the right thing to do. We fully, you know, so I don't even know if that was a good motive or not, but we did, we tithed, we gave 10%. Uh, and that's, turns out it's very rare in the church, which is really sad. Uh, most Christians mm-hmm. give less than 3%, which is like, wait, what? And I meet secular people that want to give 10, 20, 30% of their income away. And they don't, they're not even, they don't even believe in God. I'm like, what's going on with the Christians? So anyway, I have my own soapbox over there, <laughs> but we were tithing. I started my business. I made $7,000 in year one, working 40 hours a week. So that wasn't very profitable, but we're at the beginning. And so it's very strapped financially. And I remember at the beginning of year two, I was like, God, I want to faithfully tithe. I want to faithfully give, but I don't know what I make. And I don't know what I'm going to make it. It might be another rough year. It might be an incredible year. I have no idea. So how do I give in faith, Lord, if, if I don't know what I'm going to make? And I felt the Lord say, and this is early on in my hearing from the Holy Spirit journey, and I'm realizing it now. He said, and I just, I sensed it was, I want you to tithe as if you made $60,000 a year. Hmm. And I, I get uncomfortable sharing this story because some people take it the wrong way, but I'm just telling you what God said and did. Okay, I said, okay, so that would be $6,000. That'd be 10% divided by 12 months in a year, it's $500 a month. And my interpretation of that statement was, I'm going to commit to giving $500 every month, starting in January to my church, even though I don't make $60,000 a year. And we, we made close to $1,000 a month at the time. And it was just like, whatever we could get our hands on, a gig here, a gig there. My little brother sending me money. We were on food stamps. It was a, it was a nightmare. Didn't make much money after that. First half of the year was about the same. Second half of the year, my audience started to grow on YouTube. I launched a couple of new products that actually were like a a great sweet spot of what my audience wanted to buy from me and what I was good at giving. And it all kind of converged without me realizing it was going to converge. So the back half of that year, we made a lot of money. And by the end of the year, we had made $65,000. Wow. And I remember two things happening. One, I was like, well, after two years of being on food stamps and struggling and not knowing what I'm doing, I was like, babe, we're going to be fine. Like this, this is a real legit income. My dream was $30,000 a year and I made 60,000. And so I was like, this is, we're, we're good, which was amazing. The second thing was God actually did what he said he was going to do. He told me to tithe off of 60,000 and then we, he brought in 60,000 and it wasn't because of me. So I'd started this journey of every January. I would ask the Lord, okay, well, what's, what's the number Lord? What do we give this year? And the next year he told me, I want you to tithe off of 120,000. And that's, he, he doubled our income again. We did 120,000 that year. And it, it like for three or four years, it was like this crazy, he would give me a number. I would commit to doing that every month and he'd grow my business. Now, where I get uncomfortable is that people want to make this, you know, prescriptive. This is just descriptive of what God did, but this is, this is his character of sowing and reaping and trusting. Do you trust me? And so, 
you would think I would have learned that lesson by now because God's been nothing but faithful, but I haven't fully. And so he's constantly testing and, and stretching me. Like, can you give more? What would it look like if you gave 15%? What would it look like if you gave 20%? And, and this summer uh, in Puerto Rico, when we, again, had some amazing time with the Lord, a very powerful, uh, I had this moment where I had in my head this dream of like, you know, some people have like net worth dreams. I want to make this amount of money or income dreams. I've had a giving dream. I've want to, I want to give 50% of what I make away. That was like my ultimate goal. If I could get to that, like Zacchaeus, you know, when he had that moment of half of my goods, I give to the poor. I thought, wow, that'd be so cool. Um, one of my heroes, David Green, the founder of Hobby Lobby, amazing man of faith, right? He gives 50% of their profit away. They're giving hundreds of millions of dollars every, I mean, it's an $8 billion a year company. Um, the guys like that inspired me. Okay, I would love to do that. So I'm in, in Puerto Rico and I'm praying and God says, hey, what about that 50% goal? I was like, yeah, one day, Lord, I'd love to get there. He said, why, why not now? I said, well, because that would mean I probably can't save for anything else. Like that would, that would be all the extra margin that we have. And he's like, let's do it. And I felt very convicted. And so all that to say, like God is constantly challenging me. We committed to 50%. That's what my wife and I do now. 50% of all that comes in that we're giving away. And it's like the scariest, most fun thing ever. Um, and what's crazy is there's so much science being done on what happens in your brain when you give away large sums of money. Like giving in general is good, but giving money in particular, there at the University of Notre Dame, there's something called the Science of Generosity Initiative. And there's people studying this stuff and they have done studies that show that people who give 10% or more of their income away are 35% happier than people who don't. And there's all this data that shows that like literally you're happier, your stress melts away when you give because you have the feeling of being rich and wealthy because it's, it's, it's incredible what happens. And so Jesus, when he said, or is quoted by Apostle Paul, that it's better to give than receive, he's absolutely right because the word in Greek for better is more happy making. It's more happy making to give than to receive. That's that's the 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 real thought there. And so I think Jesus, basically, that's what they're figuring out at Notre Dame now is that Jesus was accurate, that you are happier when you give. And so if the goal is ultimately joy, then we're going about it the wrong way. I, I My default is want to hoard money and feel secure, and then I'll feel joy. And, and I've just been on this journey where God's saying, no, bro, you know this already, but I'm going to tell you again, it's when you give it away that you get the thing you're looking for. And if you trust me to continue to replenish you, and that's a trust thing, then then we can go on this fun adventure. If you don't, then you're just going to be holding on to what you got. But if you're willing to let go and trust, the flow will never stop. I will give you whatever you need. And, a, and a, always, he always gives us more than we need. It may not be what we exactly asked for, but that's like me and my kids. My kids ask me for crap all the time. I don't give them everything <laughs> they ask for, but they have a really good life. I really love them yeah. and I take care of them. And so it's a trust thing. And so, man, I've been on this journey forever, but it's when I'm in my right mind, it is what sets me free. It's the most fun we've ever had with money, being able to buy people cars or pay for adoptions or pay off people's college debt, like crazy fun stuff that you can do, giving to charities that you know are doing really good work in the world that like, man, I can't do that work, but they need funding. Like, it is so much fun and it's so scary at the same time. I don't think that will ever end for me, but it's it's clearly something God's been trying to weave into my story and it applies to everything in our lives, not just our money. Man, that's such a, a beautiful 
just journey that you've been on. And, and I love how every single uh, experience that you've shared or revelation that God has brought you to, it's all tied to something that the Holy Spirit spoke to you and your willingness to listen and trust and obey. And I just think that's a, it's just the common denominator in any conversation I have with you or, or anything I ever hear you talk about. It's just your sensitivity to to what God is speaking and then your desire to follow Him. So I, I know you, you said you're new on this journey of listening to the Holy Spirit, but your story is just one example after another of God's faithfulness and God's... I, th- I think sometimes we think God isn't willing to speak to us, but I think it's more that we don't stop and listen. He's always speaking. And so just to hear how He's been speaking to you over the years and has always been so faithful and so kind whenever you choose to just step into what He's asking you to do. So thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, I, I, I consider you a, a great friend, uh, a mentor, and I'm always inspired after any conversation I ever have with you. And you always challenge me to be confident in God and be confident in who God has called me to be. So thank you for that just on a personal level. Um, on a completely different note, I can't let this podcast go by without us talking about Star Wars just for a second. Because <laughs> you did a whole podcast where you talked about like the five lessons you learned in business from Star Wars. So I know it's, it's this is uh, this is a passion of yours as it is mine. So what is your favorite Star Wars movie? There's only one right answer to this. <laughs> oh, dude, I don't know. But I don't think a Star Wars fans like me. You and I really... Okay, so Empire Strikes Back is le- like so much fun. There's just mm-hmm. so many great moments in Empire. And of course, A New Hope, the, the OG, is just a classic story. Mm-hmm. But you know what I really love? And I get a lot of hate for this, and it's fair, is The Last Jedi. Okay, this is a hot take. But I actually, I'm one of the few people that like The Last Jedi as well. Oh, good. I thought our friendship was on the line, bro. Because <laughs> you say that and people will like, it's like being like, you can't say you're Republican in certain places and you, you lose family members. That's the same thing about The Last Jedi. If you like The Last Jedi, some people are like, you're out of my life, bro. But I loved that movie because of some of the deep themes that they explored about what is, are, are we really good? This, it's so spiritual. Are we really all light or all dark? And it's so much mixed in there of the good and the bad in us and like how more messy and complicated we are. And so I, just, oh man, I thought it was just a powerful, it was a more philosophical movie, less lightsabers and, and awesome action. And there's some major plot holes. I get it. Like dropping bombs in space when there's no gravity kind of, I don't understand <laughs> right. you, that. You but, don't, don't think about that stuff too much with Star Wars. <laughs> I can get over that. All right. So we're still friends after that answer. That's good. Now maybe our Star Wars fans that listen don't agree with either one of us on that, but oh well. You're going to definitely lose some listeners if, <laughs> if you say you like The Last Jedi, bro. <laughs> but to me, Empire still... The, the reigning champ overall. It's so good. So many good moments in that. Oh, well, awesome. Well, Graham, uh, thank you so much for, for blessing us with your wisdom and with your faith and just with your story of trusting God. Uh, I'm really thankful for, for sharing that with our podcast. Oh, dude, thanks for having me on, man. I love this conversation and I love, I love what you're doing. Your podcast is so needed and I keep sharing with so many people. Keep oh. it up. Thanks, my friend. If you're like me, your head is spinning trying to process all the wisdom that Graham just shared. But I love how easily and naturally the Word of God just flows from Him in conversation. And I think as we close this episode, a great challenge for us is how is God calling each of us to reveal the kingdom? I think that'd be a great prayer to pray every day this week. God, where are you calling me to reveal your kingdom? 
So if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone else. And like I said earlier, leave a review. That's really, really helpful for us. And if you want to begin to take steps towards growing in your prayer life or in generosity, like we talked about in today's episode, go to wadejoy.com and download my free ebook, Seven Rhythms to Renew the Health of Your Soul. We talk about both prayer and generosity in that ebook, and I'd love just to give you that as a gift. So once again, thanks for being here with us today, and I can't wait to see you back here next week for Dreamers and Disciples.